It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. We are back live on The Drive on 95.5 on Wine Country Radio. It's time for California Wine Country with Dan Berger. Dan, my old friend, long time no see. Harry, it's nice to see you again. It's always good to see you, Dan. Uh, as traditionally, uh, you bring a cellar wine with you, and we usually open by sharing the cellar wine and telling us all about it. So what did you grace me with today? I brought for you, and for Steve if he had showed up, but he wasn't here, a bottle of Chardonnay. What a shock. I'm shocked, Dan. <laughs> I, I would not have seen that one coming. But but surprisingly enough, it's not a cellar wine. In fact, it hasn't even gotten barely out of the out of the winery cellar. It's brand new. It just was released about two or three days ago, and it's a 2022 Chardonnay from Jesse's Grove Winery in Lodi, and it was made with no oak at all. So this is really basically a very fresh, young, drink it immediately wine. Yeah, no definitely. cellaring necessary. It's got some nice florals. A beautiful flowery aroma. Very tasty. And good good acidity, a nice balance. Tell me about the winery. Jesse's Grove has been out there for about uh, 25 years. They are basically growers. They, are, they have large acreage out there in Lodi, and they're doing a wonderful job with things like Carignan and Cinso and Zinfandel, uh, Petit Syrah. They make a lot of red wine out that way. White is really not their thing, but they have some uh, white wine grapes in the ground. The winemaker's Greg Burns. Greg's been uh, the winemaker for several years out there. He's actually the owner of the property. And they sell grapes to wineries all over California. But um, the wines that they make are getting better and better and better. This is delicious. It is. It really is. I enjoyed this. I haven't had a shard in a while, for obvious reasons. I haven't been on the show in a while. Um, but this is very tasty, and I think Steve would thoroughly enjoy this, particularly since you said it should be drunk immediately. That's exactly it. <laughs> and since this bottle's open, we're going to drink it immediately. That, that we shall. <laughs> this is California Wine Country with Dan Berger. Uh, our guest today is from Davis Bynum Wines. He is the winemaker, and it's Greg Morthold. Greg, welcome to California Wine Country. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Great to be back on the drive. It is our pleasure, believe me. Tell us about Davis Bynum Wines for listeners who may not be familiar with you, and God knows there just might be one or two. Yes, we are a historic and historic label. We started, uh, Davis started back in 1965 making wine commercially. So that was in Albany, California. And he, a few, within a few years, he had purchased a vineyard up in Napa Valley. And uh, was let me go back. Wine. I'm sorry to Albany, East Bay. Yeah, in just the East right Bay. there, north of Berkeley. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He was, I don't think of that as a wine growing region. No. Well, <laughs> he had he was pulling grapes in from here, there, and everywhere. So Davis was of that generation who uh, who knew you know you knew everybody around the table. You knew everybody in Napa and Sonoma, and you know Rodney Strong over in Sonoma, and and uh, he got to know Robert Mandavi and. And, um, and and Louis Martini and all kinds of people over in Napa. And, you know, he just was of that generation that uh, the Wentys, you know, he was pulling in grapes from all over the place and, and making wine in an old plumbing warehouse in Albany, California. <laughs> yeah. So I would love to know where the building was. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if his 
daughter knows, so I'm going to ask her. But um, anyway, he started in 65 with commercial winemaking and then moved, bought a vineyard up in Napa, which worked for a little while, but they didn't let him build a winery. And subsequently, in late 1972, he had a fateful dinner with Howie Allen and Allen family um, on West Side Road. And they had a bottle of Pinot Noir, Russian River Valley Pinot Noir on the table, and it knocked him out. He told me that it reminded him of Burgundy. It just had really delicate fruit. Um, it was just really well balanced, and it sunk deep into his heart. Whereas he'd been making many different varieties uh, since you know since he was in Albany, he really sunk in on Pinot Noir. And so Howie Allen was a realtor, found him a place that was where the Russian River comes down, 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 and then it bends out towards the coast and actually kind of goes over and bends out again. But where it bends out there, it's called, um, well, the River Bend. So the River Bend property is what Howie Allen hooked him up with. He purchased that and uh, built a winery out of an old hop kiln, 1973, made the first single vintage, single vineyard uh Pinot Noir from the Joe Rocchioli's grapes, which were planted just about five years before. And it was all done with the handshake deal. And uh, it started this um, this era of making single vineyard wines and turned a real spotlight onto Pinot Noir and how Pinot Noir can be in the Russian River, Russian River Valley. Dan, tell me something about Davis Bynum that Greg didn't tell me. He started out in the Napa Valley. After after Albany, he moved to the Napa Valley and made a couple of wines, a couple of vintages, if, as I recall. I think it was 71 and 72, made in the Napa Valley. And rare as it may seem, he moved from Napa to Sonoma. Usually it's the other way around. <laughs> they start out here and they move over there. But no, in this case, he moved from Napa Valley to Sonoma County. And the reason was that wonderful Pinot Noir that he tasted from Howard Allen and what was really impressive about that was, think about it this way. Nobody in this world cared about Pinot Noir at that time except Davis Bynum. Nobody cared. It was like it was an afterthought. Yeah. UC Davis was telling people that uh, it was too cool in, in many areas to plant Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, you know. And so um, that was... Something that's something that's really changed over time. People are planting farther and farther out towards the coast. Well, Davis was up in on West Side Road, so this is a, a neighborhood called uh, the Middle Reach. We call it now because the Russian River is broad enough and has enough texture to it. You know, all these little ripples in the hills and different soils and whatnot. That the flavors of Pinot Noir are very different whether you're in one area or the other. So Davis started out up in the north where. You know, the wines that we make from our River West Vineyard really um, have, in particular the Pinot Noirs, have uh, really concentrated red fruit, but also some really nice spice tones. So, Dan, how did Davis Bynum get people to care about Pinot Noir? He began to discover, almost by accident, although I think he knew something about it, that his best fruit growing on his property there was probably Merlot. And some of the Davis Bynum Merlots were spectacular. Well, part of that was the fact that it was a cooler region. And the cooler region left the Merlot to be a distinctively different wine from Cabernet. Even though in the Napa Valley, a lot of Cabernets and Merlots are similar, in, in Russian River Valley at the time, Cabernet was still growing, but it made a slightly different wine, and Merlot made a more 
uh, spicy wine, if you want to call it that. So it had a lot more personality. So he had the Pinot Noir as his extra variety. So people would visit the tasting room, and they'd try the Merlot, and they'd always go crazy for that, and they'd buy that. They'd buy the Chardonnay because the Chardonnay was so good. Then they'd buy the Cabernet because it was really different from Napa. And then they'd try the Pinot Noir, and they'd say, well, wait a minute, wait, what do I have in that box over there? Take out a couple of those bottles, put more, more Pinot Noir in there. <laughs> so it was a really interesting element of discovery for him. This is California Wine Country with Dan Berger. Our guest today, Greg Morthold, the winemaker of Davis Bynum Wine. Davis Bynum Wines, my apologies. I've only had a sip of wine so far, I assure you. You'll be able to listen to this broadcast if you want to share it with some other folks or any of our previous broadcasts of California Wine Country by going to our website, calwinecountry.com. Greg, talk about your history. Where did you come from? How did you end up at Davis Bynum? Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess all of our histories are long and interesting and complicated. I hope so. so we have a lot of time to fill, Greg. <laughs> My parents are from Wyoming, and so... That's wine country, right? That's right. That is wine country. It's like, you know, snow wines and ice wines and whatnot. But yeah, my parents are from Wyoming. I was, I'm an Air Force brat is what it comes down to. So we moved around all over the place. That kind of, little bit of wanderlust is still in my blood. Um, Love to travel with my family. Uh, and when it was time for me to go to college, I went out to Wyoming. And that would be in Laramie, down in the southeastern corner, uh, pretty close to Cheyenne, where my dad grew up. And so I got a degree in natural sciences, and so a lot of biology, chemistry. Um, always loved art, though. I'm, I'm going to throw that out there just as a little bug but so because clearly my my schooling will lean on the science but art has always been very important to me in very in its various forms and so when i came home to sacramento at the time it's where my my dad retired to and our family lived um i worked for a couple of years in sacramento and then followed my heart out to sonoma county although not for a wine Immediately, it was for my girlfriend, mm-hmm. Mary, who's now my wife. And, you know, we have two kids and a cat. Uh, no picket fence, but maybe someday. And so the first job that I got using my science degree out in Sonoma County was at a wine lab and working there four years and just developing a love of wine led to me working at a winery um, and out in the Russian River, actually. Even though we didn't make Pinot Noir, we did make some Chardonnay. So I was turned on by Chardonnay and a couple other varieties, of course, there. And I jumped at the position to come over to Rodney Strong because of all of the varieties that were made and the the different expressions in the wines. That was in 2005. That was 18 years ago. And about a couple of years later, uh, about five years later, I, I, I started making the Davis Bynum wines. So it's been 13 vintages running. And I got to know Davis uh, about a year after starting to make the wines, about 2011 or so. So when he was in his 80s, um, and he was just one of the most peaceful. I mean, he's just one of the most awesome people I've ever known. And I'm, I'm guessing you found him to be the same way, Dan. Yeah. He was such a mellow gentleman, and he was inquisitive. Um, he had such an innate curiosity, and he loved the artist side of winemaking as I do but he he also loved the sciencey side of it as well one of the things that I just can't get enough of is is that you can lean in both directions as much as you want and uh, he loved that he experimented quite quite a bit he had a permaculture 
area. He and his, I think his son Hampton especially uh, ran that part. Um, he played music to his vines. I know that's a little, little bit out there. But, uh, you know, people believe in that. It's 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 a very interesting tactic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's stimuli, right? It it causes response in us. What does it do to there have been scientific reports indicating (laughs) that plants do like music? Yeah, I believe it. You know, there's what is it? There's uh, there's insects and uh, maybe hummingbirds and things and, and creatures out there. But in particular, insects whose wing beats cause the release of pollen in certain plants. And so this is, I mean, it's something that I read about just a couple of years ago. Anyway, uh, I can assure you, Greg, wing beats have never been discussed on California wine country before. <laughs> so you've set a first here on today's program. <laughs> Dan, talk a little bit more about Davis Bynum. Well, not only was he inquisitive, but also he was dedicated to improving the quality of his wines, but never on a radical basis. His idea was to take a look at each vintage as it represented what previously had been done exactly one year before and to see if he could incrementally improve those wines. And it was because you had to look at the vineyard as a once a, you only, the winemakers only have one chance a year to make a wine from a particular plot of soil. So he knew that you were really into incremental decision making and he was very careful uh, your your comment greg about him being uh quiet or or he was personable in a very subtle way but what i liked about his interest in science was that he knew that there was science behind all of this but there was also a, a kind of a personality thing that went on with these wines each wine has its own personality and if you can improve the wine a little bit each year, over the next decade, you'd make major changes. Thoughts, Greg, to what Dan just shared with us? Absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah, Davis was, uh, you know, my friend from an older generation who I learned a lot from. And I just draw a lot of inspiration from his take on wine. I mean, he loved Pomar clone Pinot Noir. He loved clone 115. But he loved balance in wines, I think, as much as anybody I've ever known. And that's something that I strive for in our wines. So we, if you don't mind the segue here. No, I was looking we, to find, find a way to get there. Let's start drinking wine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we poured our 2022 River West Chardonnay. That's uh, in our glass. And it's, uh, it's an expression from the vineyard. And it's, it's an expression of our choice in styles and, and of what we do at fermentation, especially. But it's... It's where this vineyard lies that really drives a lot of the character of the wine. Um, there's, if you don't, I'll, I'll throw this out there since our, our listeners can't, uh, don't have a glass in front of them, but there's a, Oh, some of them do. <laughs> it might not have this wine Perhaps in not it. with this wine. Yeah. If you'd like this wine, you know, <laughs> www.davisbynum.com or go to, uh, yeah, come to the winery up at Rodney Strong. This is a 2022 River West Chardonnay. It's a single vineyard Chardonnay. It's got a beautiful floral tone right up top. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's some really nice stone fruit underneath that. 
It's married up with oak, but the oak comes in in layers to add some creaminess to the wine. And I think the creaminess is not only there as an aromatic or flavor profile, it's also there in the mouth. The mouthfeel is not dense. It's dense enough. It's rich enough, but it's not, it's not, re- it, it's a little oily. It's creamy is the way I would describe I agree. it. Balanced. And that's something, just that balance is what Davis was about always after. One more thing about it that Greg didn't say. It's a secret. And you will not notice it if you chill this wine too much. This is the 2022 River West Chardonnay. It's too young right now. It needs another year or two. I'll give you, it could go further, but. There's lay least, it down Dan Berger at, at work again. Yep. But what, what you could do is decant this and not serve it particularly cold because it has great acidity. I mean, that's one of the secrets to this wine. This wine is a Russian River wine. I have tasted far too many Russian River Chardonnays that are deficient in acidity. This one is not. This was right there. So it doesn't need to be ice cold. It needs to be cool enough so that you can appreciate the fact that it's going to work with food, and that's what you want. You want the cool, the cool temperatures to accentuate the aromatics. Once you get it in the mouth, you realize the acidity is integrated already with this wine. I mean, you did the right thing in terms of how you decided to make it and then release it early enough so that people can appreciate it now. It's going to be better in a year. Yeah, and it's got a little bit of a minerality underneath all of that, mm-hmm. I think, as, as a tertiary character, which is something that I've always gotten from the vineyard. It's an expression of the terroir of that vineyard. I, I, it's nothing to do with the winemaking. I see it every year. And you've been making River West for a long time, and this stuff is just ideal for its its climate and for its soil this was a good vintage uh, 22 was a good vintage 23 will probably even be better for you in terms of your uh, chardonnay i imagine we're we're on the last three vintages have just been stunners if you ask me i I like all three of them we're just on a great tear it's been uh, one cool vintage after another little bit of variation with all of them but that's the general tone of each of the the last three vintages i love the structure of this i can't imagine how good it could be with the right kind of food. Okay, Dan, so I lay it down for two years because that's what you've told me to do. I'm planning dinner two years from now. What am I pairing this with? Poached pears. I can't be absolutely certain, but I would say that... Now, let's just imagine that you had an unlimited budget. I don't. Abalone. Oh. (laughs) But assume you don't have an unlimited budget. If I start saving now, I might be able to afford an abalone. All right. Well, I just can't imagine how good this would be with abalone. Mm. Because you you can't have abalone without lemon juice, right? And this wine needs lemon juice. So Yeah, citrus, yeah. Citrus. So I would say poach sole that you that you drizzle really good olive oil on the top and serve this wine with it that in two years or a year and a half that's that's my call right now now i'm with you although i have to i have to point out something about this one you may not know i don't think anybody would unless you read the, the you know go into the deep notes but since 2021 all of the davis bynum wines are vegan so <laughs> if, if the soul soul <laughs> is a great that. call i'm 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 with you dan i was actually my first thought was okay mashed potatoes and you know salmon it's just classic but going with the vegan uh wine here if you were going to go vegan meal 
You know, and even thinking of, uh, well, I mean, I'm thinking of roasting carrots, you know, throwing them in the oven, sprinkle salt and pepper, and just allowing those natural sugars to come out, the flavors of the carrot, and, and the, you know, right now that little minerality in uh, the wine going with the little bit of salt on those carrots. But, and then on the side, you could throw green things in there too, you know, a little bit of asparagus and having a salad. But, you know, if you can lean where you were going, if you can lean on on something on that plate that goes towards floral might be a little difficult with food, even though you could do it, but like going towards citrus. I love hmm. that thread. And if you could go in that direction with that it, definitely it, need some citrus. Great. That's what this underlying mm-hmm. minerality is all about. So clams vongolet would not be a good pair for this. It, it would, as long as the, the amount of garlic you use is really minimal. If you use too much garlic on the vongolet, you're going to end up with a, con- a, a complexity that's great but they clash what you want is something subtler so that you have a butter and olive oil together there you go and how about soul with both butter and olive oil I'm ready for i, I that. would do that i could take that <laughs> it's california wine country with dan Berger. california wine country is brought to you by bottle barn and we are joined by greg morthole and katie lalonde from Davis Bynum Wines. Katie, talk about your position at Davis Bynum Wines. Of course. I'm actually the marketing and communication coordinator. I have been with the winery for about four years. Prior to this, I was actually hospitality, trade, and tasting room. Uh, So the marketing and communication world is quite new to me, and it is very fun and enjoyable. Nice. Talk about what folks can expect to see when they visit Davis Bynum. We did finish up our event season for the year, so we are in the process of planning our 2024 event. So uh, definitely check our website for updates on that, um, hopefully early spring. And again, the website? It is davisbynum.com. Um, we, our last event that we actually just had was with our winemaker here, Greg Morthel, and it was a blending seminar, which we do hope to bring back again next year. So definitely look out for that. It's a great event where you can come and blend your own wine with our winemaker. That sounds like fun. Yes. That right. was a great time. How, how was it, Greg? Because you were at it. I was not. Oh, that was a ton of fun. Yeah, absolutely. We pulled out some uh, some vintage wines from a couple of years back, um, different clones, some Dijon clones, 667, 115, um, and Pomar, which is a lot of fun, one of the heritage clones. So all of these clones grow at the River West Vineyard that, that we now own, which is where the Chardonnay came from. We're now making a little bit of Pinot off that vineyard as well. Um, it's a vineyard that um, we we actually have the next Chardonnay in our glass is coming from the River West Vineyard, but it's a, a gravel and Chardonnay. But all of these these Pinot clones that we had at this tasting grow there, and in, in, in addition to some others, they all show a little differently, and they're part of the complexity of Pinot Noir. Something that Davis got into years ago. I found that uh, his favorites were 115 and Pomar. Kind of polar opposites, the 115, one of the Dijon clones, having a lot more cherry and rose petal. And the the Pomar having a little more leather and earth and richer body. But anyway, those will be in the next couple of wines that we have, the Pinots. What we have in the glass right now is a gravel end Chardonnay. It's a 2021. So, Dan, you were just saying how you'd love to throw that 2021. To River West down for another year. Here is a an extra year on a wine from the same vineyard, although from just a single block. And you mentioned that it's a bit, it, it's a little reminiscent of uh, 
some of the just really unworldly wines from Pouligny and Chassagne. Yeah, this is basically <clears throat> a little bit like Batard, but but less oak or expressiveness in terms of the mid palate. It's got more acidity than you get out of uh, Batard, so it's a little bit more like uh, like a Chassagne Montrachet, but very very young. It's still got a little bit more time in bottle, so therefore it's a little ex- more expressive. And what I like about this most of, of all is that this wine has tremendous structure. I mean, the acidity in this is brilliant. It's not acidic as much as it is structured and balanced. So you have all this wonderful uh, mid-palate freshness and vitality that really demands really, really good food. And in this case... I hate to say, yes. the soul, which works with the other wine, you need something a little bit more. You need something more prestigious for this wine. This is a very special wine. Prestigious. Do you mean expensive? Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> well, do tell. Well, I mean, there are certain types of seafood that are a little bit more like steak if you will, but they're still seafood. And in this case, the the wine really calls for that. It's almost as if you had uh, a white wine that, was, that wanted to be red but didn't have any color in it. This is a pretty big and rich wine without it being soft. It's got all this wonderful, brilliant acidity. It's got this personality of spice. The spice component really shows up. Where does that come from? That would be mostly the oak, really. You know, the the clone itself is ex- expresses. Uh, it's a Spring Mountain selection, I should say, of Chardonnay. It expresses very floral in its youth um, over time. But this block, actually, the vineyard, I should say, itself, the terroir, the vineyard is mineral in, in undercurrents. So the vine is expressing the floral. The vineyard is giving it minerality in some way or another, and I say that because I see that that uh, little bit of flint, in, no matter what the clone is, no matter what the block is. Um, and then you add in the barrels. The yeast are playing a part. Yeah, the batonnage, monthly batonnage, uh, the barrel stirring, of course. You barrel know, we put, stirring, yeah. We, we, <clears throat> we do make it as mo- many of the French wines. So it's that it's that tension and balance between... You know, the wine getting a little breath of air when you open the barrels once a month. It's like a whale that's down there for, you know, uh, for two hours. And, and in this case, it's a month. And it comes up and it it gets a breath of air. But at the same time, you're aging the wine on the lees, the yeast lees. And they're reductive. They're actually pulling the wine in a different direction than when you pop the bung out and you give the wine a little bit of air and you put the the baton in there and you do some batonnage. So it's done for the creaminess and the texture of the wine and you have all this great acidity and that little bit of minerality coming from the terroir. But it's my favorite expression of Chardonnay is just one where you're sitting there enjoying it, but you're getting pulled in different directions. And depending on your sip and, you know, how deep in that glass you are, you just feel like you sense the richness and the oiliness or you sense that that undercurrent of the acidity and that minerality that's pulling you in kind of like a leaner direction on the wine. So it's it's a it's my favorite thing in Chardonnay is when you just really can't make up your mind. Is this a rich wine? Is it a kind of is it one to be more 
acidic or what? And it's got it's really got everything. All of it. It's yeah. got both elements. It's got the structure and it's got the mid palate richness, without it being over the top in terms of richness. You want richness, but you don't want so much that it becomes clumsy and soft. This wine has got wonderful, wonderful low pH, and the aromatics remind me. And I, I'm going to go way out on a limb here and say, I'm smelling Vosges oak. And I, do you use any Vosges? Uh, I do use Ollier and Vosges oak. Yes, I do. So good call on that. And the pH, just for your edification. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, Dan, you get the bell. <laughs> okay, got that. And the and it was picked at 22.6 bricks, and the pH is 3.10. Unbelievable. Okay. G- geek alert here. 22.6 bricks. The measure of the sugar. Bricks, B-R-I-X. And it's a measure of, uh, yeah, geek alert big time. Measure of soluble solids, which just about is sugar. Uh, not exactly 100% correct, but it's almost all sugar. And so basically um, we we measure the sugar because the, sh- the yeast will ferment the sugar into alcohol and a bunch of other fun, wonderful aromatic things. But that sugar will convert into alcohol. And so the alcohol is one of the main constituents of the wine. And you don't want it to be too high nor too low, like a lot of things, just in balance. Now, Greg, Dan kind of chickened out when I asked him to pair this with something. <laughs> he got all mumbly about prestige, and I kind of lost track there. Pair this with with the food for us. Well, if if we if you know go in different directions, I I would love to. I love the white fish idea from Dan, and uh, you know the seafood is is just classic. It uh, paella comes to mind. I think the spice. Oh, I I would disagree with that, and I'll tell you why. Because the paella is so aromatic. Dan, he's well, your guest. No, I'm sorry, <laughs> but look, saffron. This wine doesn't want any saffron in the room. Oh, I would I would take it. Okay, I know you'd take it. How about, Guys, you sure. can settle this in the parking lot if necessary. How, how about a really, really good piece of sturgeon? Well, sturgeon, I was thinking more salmon, but, you know, you know oh my the gosh. white fish. I was thinking salmon myself. Do I know what I'm talking about here? <laughs> but if you, if you went the vegan route again, you know, let's, let's make a roux. What can you do with the roux? So you Anything. The, yes, well, and you, you, you start there and the richness from that. Anyway, yeah. if you're leaning in that direction. But now um, uh, maybe some linguine, throw in uh, capers, you know, the little, just for a little chewiness and the, the vibrancy, how about, the tartness. How about how about linguine? Vogelay? Yeah, with, with, ignore the garlic for a moment. <laughs> when did and, you become so anti-garlic, Dan? <laughs> well, with these wines, I think the garlic becomes a challenge, and I don't think you want to do that to this. This wine becomes the main course of the meal. The meal becomes the afterthought. And in this particular case, the wine is so good that basically what I would do would be to take some linguine and put a combination of whipping cream and and olive oil and pretty much not much else except parmesan fresh good fresh parmesan and that's it and then you, the wine just jumps out of the glass and becomes the dominant feature of the meal okay fair enough <laughs> Just a thought. <laughs> I just I don't want you to beat me up in the parking lot, Dan. I'm going to agree with you for the rest of the show. <laughs> this is California Wine Country, brought to you by Bottle Barn. Our guest today, Greg Morthold from Davis Bynum Wines. He's the winemaker. And Katie Lalone, the marketing and communication coordinator. Katie, tell me about visiting hours at the location. Absolutely. Um, so if you definitely, I would 
come in for some tastings um, into the winery, please try and make a reservation. We will always accept walk-ins if there is room available. Um, So we are open between Thursday and Monday for tastings. Uh, Between, I would say, 10.30 a.m. is the first time you can make a reservation, and 3, 3.30 is probably the last seating, and we close at 5 p.m. Um, it looks like I think Christmas Eve, uh, we do close at about 2 p.m. Christmas Eve. So the last tasting will be about 1230 Christmas Day. We are closed New Year's Eve. The last reservation will be at 1230 and we close at 2 p.m. And then New Year's Day, we are closed. Um, so those are kind of the major uh, kind of wonky hours. The rest are going to be about 1030 a.m. to 5 p.m. All right, and again, reservations are preferred, but they won't turn you away if you show up. Uh, for more information, check out their website, davisbynum.com. Greg, you just scurried around the studio and poured another wine. What are we enjoying now? That's right, yes. And we would love to see you up at the winery, up in Old Redwood Highway. Please come visit us. We would love to see you. We pour this wine at the winery called, this is a 2021 Dutton Ranch Pinot Noir. Now, this is coming from two different properties, primarily from uh, a Dutton property called Dutton Ranch Gregory, but 10% also comes from Dutton Ranch Lorenzo. They're separated by a couple of miles, but they are both within the Green Valley of the Russian River Valley, that little uh, nested appellation, right? And so this would be in the outside of Grayton. Most of the 90% component is southwest of Grayton by about, it's like a mile, maybe a little more. Uh, than that as the grow flies. It's a vineyard that's up on a ridge um, off to the east. You look down in kind of the heart of the Green Valley down towards Atascadero Creek and off to the west as the the vineyard is bent over the very top of this ridge. It looks down um, to where the Duttons actually have their home ranch and Purrington Creek down there. So it has a little bit of, and the whole vineyard itself, even though it bends east and west, it actually sits looking north just a bit too. So it faces a bit north. You get just this great sense of acidity, and it's growing in this lauded, famed, gold ridge, sandy, loam soil. It's it's deep soil in many places. There is a little more clay as you go farther down, but not a lot, enough to give the vines a little bit of water over the summer um it's it's just in a very special spot it's planted to two different clones of pinot noir and for the listeners clones are just little itty bitty subtypes just think of different types of tomato and how wonderful different tomatoes are and how different they taste and yet they're all tomatoes so it's clone 667777 in this wine predominantly and the 10 percent from the vineyard farther to the north the dutton ranch lorenzo vineyard is clone 115 one of the unusual things about this wine is that um, we fermented 50% of it in punchins. So they're larger size barrels. We put them up on, on end, popped the head out, filled them with a half a ton of grapes in each punchin, and then punched them down by hands. Very much a handmade wine. Um, the 10% that is from the Dutton Lorenzo property, Dutton Ranch Lorenzo property, actually I was messing around very much as Davis would <laughs> in, in his experimental uh, ways. And I took some Chardonnay pumice and threw it in the punchins and punched it in. So this would be Chardonnay that was already pressed dry. You're talking about just the skins, the seeds, and the stems. 
I took two liters and threw them into each of those punches. This is the 10% portion of this wine, right? And what does that add? Well, it adds tannins. It adds tannins, and that marries up. Tannins from white grapes that marry up with the color and the tannins from, from the Pinot Noir. And it doesn't hit the tech sheet because there's no juice in the skins. It's already pressed off. But the fact is is that um, uh, it's, a, it's a very natural thing to try. Chardonnay is a daughter grape of Pinot Noir. And uh, I threw it in there just to see what would happen. Well, I, I loved how it came out. It was perhaps a little edgy when it was young in terms of its tannins. Uh, but those tannins just kind of melted over time. And as I said, this is a 2021. So you're always, as a winemaker, looking forward. There's things that hit you right in the moment. And if you make a decision about just how you see it right now, you might be missing the boat. And when you think about the fact is we're going to be drinking this two, three, four years from now and what you might be doing to make that wine. So having a little bit extra tannins in it early on uh, didn't scare me off. In fact, it, it made the cut. And I just I really love how this wine came out. Now, Dan, you've been tasting and furiously scribbling on your pad of paper. What have you been writing? Tasting notes so I can write about this because it's pretty spectacular wine. Um, Again, because of the use of Chardonnay skins as a co-fermentation tactic, you end up with a wine that's somewhat a little teeny bit backward in terms of its integration. The integration is is trickier, but all the pieces are here. I would be happy to drink it now. Since the bottle's open, we're going to definitely drink it. But, <laughs> but if I had any of this in my cellar, I would definitely put it away for two more years for sure because I think it's released. Now, is this released already? Oh, you caught me with my mouth. Caught him in mid-taste. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is just released, Dan. So it's really, really, really too early to drink it, although I would be happy to drink it. I, th- I, st- I think that the spectacular nature of this wine is yet to be evident because the the aspiration of a winemaker is to make a wine that's still alive. It's not static for the moment that it re- is released. And in this particular case, you've got a wine that has an enormous future. The acid is great. <clears throat> pH is even better. The structure of the wine is already in place. All that needs to be done is for the aromatics to really develop. And right now, the aromatics are spectacular for what it is as a young wine, but it's really too young to have open right now. I used to make wines that had, uh, I mean, Little Wine Geek again, but higher pH, which is uh, kind of, an, I guess, best summed up as an oblique measure of acidity. And uh, there's kind of two ways we look at that. But I used to make wines that were a little more tannic. They spent more time on the skins, which is called cuvesson. Uh, and they came out a little more tannic, and they were agers. Sometimes the tannins melted just into an appropriate state down the road, and sometimes they kind of hung on to just a little bit of bitterness. And so over time, I've pulled back on the time on skins. but uh, And then I've kind of found that middle ground. You know, it seems like you always find... That really that that place that place where you're meant to go, and sometimes it takes some years. Well, making the Bynum wines for the last 13 years, it's not a it's not a quick process. And uh, all, all hats off to all the coopers who might be uh, all all the, that is the the brewers who might be listening. 
Um, but you know, when you've got all the ingredients, you can put it together. And so with wine, it is a very long process. And the, the things that we learn in one year, you really have to pay attention and take good notes and, and you have to make that happen 10 months down the road. And then from there, you, you're, you're waiting months and months just to see how that came out. Uh, so I've changed in my winemaking, my winemaking style to, to have wines that essentially um, are lower pH, and that's done by picking slightly earlier and having a little better balance in the which, wine. Which is right in my wheelhouse. It's exactly the way I love. I wish I, wish I could empower more consumers to seek lower pH wines and ask wineries what their pH is pH levels are for the sake of the structure and balance of the wine because that's really what comes down. When I say a wine has potential for aging, it's because these wines have a low pH and they are basically best when the pH is allowed to keep the wine in good shape as it goes. If you don't have a, if you've got a high pH, that wine's got the lifespan of a mayfly. It's not going to live. <laughs> And this would also be, I, arguably, in my opinion, our fruitiest wine, our most fruit-forward wine, having said that, you know, it's, um, it's a wine club wine, and it's got a lot of complexity to it. Um, I don't know how you would describe the fruit tones, Dan, but I, I find they center on berry fruit, and you can go a lot of directions with that, but blue fruits, red fruits come to mind, blueberry, um, not quite raspberry in this one. I've seen that uh, from these vineyards before. But it's it's a basket full of really fresh berry fruit. The complexity is built in. I would also say that, and this is not a, a, a disrespectful, I hope, that you realize, but I think it doesn't strike me as a wine that I would say is automatically, aromatically, a Russian River wine. It doesn't. When I put, put my nose in the glass, all I smelled was burgundy. I didn't smell Russian River. Well, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Duke here filling in for Steve. This is California Wine Country with Dan Berger, brought to you by the folks at Bottle Barn. Our guests today, Greg Morthol, the winemaker from Davis Bynum Wines, and Katie Lalonde, the marketing and communication coordinator. We've got one more wine to taste before we end our program today, correct? We do, yes. In fact, this is a 2021 uh, Russian River Valley Pinot Noir. This is our Davis Bynum Russian River Valley Pinot Noir. Very proud of this wine. It, it captures the essence of different neighborhoods of the Russian River. So the reason why I, I wanted to have the, the Dutton Ranch Pinot Noir go around, same vintage, by the way, these last this, these two Pinots, was because I wanted, to, wanted for us to experience that singular expression of the Dutton Ranch and then see if we could find it in this wine because it's 20% of this wine. To me, it adds that that um, that deeper berry fruit tone that's that's in this wine, a layer in this wine. This wine has another thirty percent from a little bit to the northeast, which is in the Santa Rosa Plain area, up in the broad belly of the the Russian River. Um, you know, around Windsor and then going south of Windsor down to Santa Rosa. Uh, to the west would be the Laguna. To the east would be Highway 101. That is the Santa Rosa Plains, the big broad expanse there. And those those soils there are different. Um, as I say, thirty percent of this wine is from the Santa Rosa Plains. It's it's two different vineyards out there, and and there's there's a little more clay in those soils, 
And the wine just tends to show a little more richness for it with those bigger clay soils. And then up north, um, where our winery is, up at Rodney Strong, by the way, come visit us at Rodney Strong. Come taste the Davis Bynum wines. You taste this wine right there, 11455 Old Redwood Highway. Um, You're doing the marketing and communication coordinator's I, job yeah, right now, I'm Greg. checking that box. <laughs> <laughs> come see us. Yeah, you can taste this wine. We'd be happy to see he you up there. It <laughs> <laughs> we, um, that That's the Middle Reach neighborhood, and this is where I find, interestingly, some uh, little higher spice tones in the wine and tends to show a little more of the cherry, the redder fruit tones. But they're all in there, and they're in there in layers. It's six different vineyards, three different neighborhoods, and it's something we aim to to show to show like what Russian River can be. It's our our personal Davis Bynum expression of what Russian River Pinot is like. Dan, your thoughts on this wine? It's got beautiful aromatics, the red cherry fruit alongside of some darker fruits, a little bit more almost blackberry. But what I like about the wine most is that it's really accessible at this moment, yet if you have a time, a little bit more time in the bottle, maybe an extra year, or or buy it now, decant it for an hour or two hours, give it some air, this is going to open up a lot more uh, readily, and I think it's really impressive. Now, this is this is where I would go with the prime rib. This yep. is really prime rib country. Well, fortunately, coming up on the holiday season, uh, a lot of people will be enjoying probably a little bit of prime rib and uh, Spencer all kinds roast of other- is the is the alternative uh, to uh, prime rib. If you can't afford prime rib, go buy a Spencer roast. Yeah, fabulous, fabulous alternative to. But what if you're vegan? If you're vegan, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't given it thought, Gary. Well, I'm sure Greg has. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, you know, little. Uh, it's it's when you when you're out at doing winemaker dinners on the road, the meat dishes come out, and and it's very appropriate. You know, that there's a lot of duck. Um, as far as meat goes, a lot of pork, and it's delicious like that. It's absolutely delicious like that. Um, but you can spin and you can pivot and, and do vegan and vegetarian dishes that will really fill your belly and make you happy. And so if you think about things that are savory, if you lean into the savory tones of this wine, I would argue, Dan, that this one has a lot more of the savory tones. That berry fruit is there. That 20% of the, those Dutton ranches are in this wine. But the savory tones from especially the Santa Rosa Plains neighborhood are are there in that middle. The barrels about, are coming in. How about but wild mushrooms? Mushrooms, yeah, that exactly. Are sautéed, and then finish it with a little bit of pomegranate juice. There you go. I was going towards the mushrooms, and you you read my mind. <laughs> it's it's umami. You want to uh, tickle the umami. Yep. Dan, closing thoughts on Davis Bynum wines. Just an astounding uh, property that has been. Uh, under Greg's tutelage, this stuff has just gone to the moon. It's really exceptional. The nice thing is that the wines are all available, except for the small quantity that's available only to the club members. But that means that it would be a good idea for people to consider joining the club because this is where the wines are not really commercially available, but you can get your hands on them. And these are really high-quality wines. They're very superb stuff. Yeah, and, and at our tasting room, actually, we're happy to pour the small club wines in our tasting room. So you come visit Rodney Strong, you'll taste the Davis Bynum set and up that's there. that's a too. nice tasting yep. room. 
Well, let me put Katie to work here. Katie, (laughs) invite folks to come visit you and join the wine club. I was going to say, yeah, thank you. (laughs) Uh, Come to Rodney Strong. We do have a Rodney Strong flight. We also have a Davis Bynum flight. We have a club for each. So you get to enjoy the flight and kind of choose which club you'd like to join. That's kind of, and honestly, I think a wine club would actually be a great Christmas present for someone. <laughs> All right, Greg Morthel, I'm going to give you the last word on Davis Bynum. Oh, thank you very much. It's it's a historic label, as is Rodney Strong. So it was a marriage of two historic labels. In fact, uh, Davis Bynum used to deliver grapes to Rodney Strong uh, a long time ago. He told me stories about coming in and, you know, the old days, right, the 70s, and, and putting grapes in a hopper, and somebody else was at the other end of the hopper putting grapes in the same hopper, <laughs> all going to the same tank. But, yeah, Rodney and, and Davis knew each other. Davis was a, just a wonderful gentleman, and basically I'm here to carry on his legacy, and I'm very proud about uh, what we do and uh, that everything that Davis stood for. All right, Greg Morthol, winemaker, and Katie Lalone, the marketing communication coordinator for Davis Bynum Wines. Thank you so much for joining us on California Wine Country. Thank you. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Dan, what's coming up next week? Barry Herbst is bringing in several bottles of bubbly for the New Year's. And they're all going to be available at Bottle Barn. Oh, this railroad car is going to rock. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, a reminder that you can listen to this episode and any other previous episode of California Wine Country by visiting our website, calwinecountry.com.